I have uh, titled a message as Jesus Lord of our lives. Most of us know Jesus is Lord, but is Jesus Lord of our lives? We don't think we don't stop often enough to think of the implications of these words. We don't think, we don't stop often enough to think what we're actually saying when we say those words, Lord. And I hear those words so often, especially in prayers. We say Lord often. I do it too. We say Lord. But do we really know what we're saying when we say that? Let's bow our heads before we turn to the word. Precious Father, we stand in your presence here this morning, knowing that uh, you have vast stretches of your glory and of your majesty that you have yet to reveal to us. And we stand before you, Lord, as uh, knowing nothing except what you've already revealed to us. It is not by might and not by strength and not by our own striving that we've got what we've got. It is as we yield, as we give you lordship, as we let you reign over our lives, where understanding, where revelation, and where power comes from, both to live for you and to conquer Satan's territory. So, Father, today I pray that you anoint your word. If your servant words, Lord, they may be the words of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and not human wisdom, not human understanding. So we lean on you for strength in Jesus' name. Amen. As Jesus, Lord of our lives, deliberately said, deliberately chose the title not to say, Jesus is Lord. We pose the question with today's message, is Jesus, Lord. They go so easily over us. So easily we, we, uh, we, uh, they come out of our lips and out of our mouths. And so many in Christendom say the words. But there's two titles to Jesus. We know in, in Isaiah 9 there's more. It's a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. We have all these in Isaiah. But in the New Testament... Two words describe Jesus, Savior and Lord. And everybody in Christendom has Jesus and wants Jesus as Savior. But we don't really realize the implications when we say the word Lord. We don't really understand how radical they are. But to give you just a little bit of background, before Jesus got that title. Jesus did not have that title always. We might disagree here. But before Jesus got that title, he first came to earth. He first obeyed the Father's will. Everything he asked him, followed through right to the T, and then came back to the Father. That's when he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. That's when he received the title, Lord. So let's turn to Colossians this morning as we read our text. Colossians chapter 1. Uh, 
The main uh, part of the message here is from 15 to 20, but to introduce the chapter, I think we should start at the beginning. There's a beautiful introduction to this, to this beautiful passage out of Colossians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timotheus, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ which are at Colossae, and we can say Fort Pitt here. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it does also in you since the day you heard of it, and of the and the knowledge, no, knowing the grace of God in truth. There's a page torn here. As you also learn of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I just want to stop here for a second. We notice by the Apostle's words here that there is a stepping process. He says, filled with the knowledge of his will and to all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. There is a definite direction to the Apostle's words here. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. He has made us meet to be partakers. In other words, he has made us suited to be partakers. He has made us able. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. 
And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him I say, whether they be things on earth or things in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This passage here resonates down through all history. And it does not matter in what age we are or where we are or who we belong to. Jesus, this passage talks of Jesus' lordship. And Jesus is Lord. As most of us will agree right down the line. Jesus is Lord whether we admit it or not. Jesus is Lord whether we is Lord of my life or isn't. That doesn't change the fact that he is Lord. Because here it says he is before all things and by him all things consist. He is the head. And when we go back to verse 16, God created everything for his son. By him were all things created. Thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. They were created by him and for him. And so here is an incredible truth. Jesus Christ, the Lord, that, was, that Lordship was not just given to him. That Lordship, he actually earned it. He became Lord by becoming everything for us. We know the story. And what's even more incredible is, when he left this earth and said, all authority is given unto me and told his disciples to go and do the same thing on the earth. He gave full lord, he had full lordship and he delegated that lordship, that authority to his disciples to go and bring in the same fruits. And here's one thing we need to understand. Jesus, we were not saved to go to heaven. We weren't saved to go to heaven. We were saved to bring heaven to earth. Because every time we say, thy kingdom come, whether we believe it or not, that's what we're saying. Your kingdom come. You don't pray, Lord, take me to heaven. We pray, thy kingdom come this way. And Jesus Christ, the Lord, who has lordship over all creation, has enabled us to, make, to, bring, to be a partaker of this and also to make it happen. This verse tells us that all the forces of nature, all the world's kingdoms, all the spiritual powers, there's all history, all future, all nations, all people. It doesn't matter. It tells us Jesus is the Lord. 
And Lord means ruler. It means full authority. It means he has the authority to execute justice, judgment. He has the authority to throw into hell and he has the authority to raise from the dead. He has all authority. And without this lordship and his authority, this world will be in chaos. Because in Acts 17, when Paul was preaching to, um, to Athens there at, uh, at Mars Hill, to these uh, philosophers and whoever they were there, he said, and it's an interesting verse here, in Acts 17, verse 28, he said, For in him we live and move and have our being. The Bible states that in him is the breath of every living thing. So you're here today because God has given you life. Whether you agree with it or not. We are alive this morning because God has allowed us to live. We are able to understand and able to read and think because God, in, through the Lordship of Jesus Christ, has enabled us. In Hebrews 1 verse 3, I'd like to read this verse as well. So precious. Hebrews 1. Verse 3. <coughs> Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angel as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. Jesus is the express image of God's personality. And he is upholding you and me right now by the word of his power. We often don't appreciate that, nor do we think about it. But he is. And in Philippians chapter 2, he says, Philippians 2, just a couple pages back from our text here. Philippians 2 verse 5, Paul speaks of Jesus and tells, first of all, warns the, the Philippians and says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, he didn't take it as something to be held in high esteem or something to be held onto or grasped. Or, or, you know, he had this big place and he left it. He gave it up. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross wherefore God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow 
both of things in well, of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth that the every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We know that day is coming. Those who don't confess him here, they will confess him over there. Or at the moment of death, they'll confess him. But for the second time, he's not going to appear as a savior. He's going to appear as a judge. So Jesus is Lord. Whether we admit it or not, of our lives, is he Lord of our lives? That is an entirely different story. It's easy enough to say it. The clash comes when his lordship interferes with our will. We gladly invite him into our hearts as a savior. But that's just through the front entrance. That is just through the front entrance. And I want to use the house this morning to illustrate the human heart. You know the song, My Heart is Like a House. Giving Jesus Lordship is a process. Giving, letting Jesus be Lord, we don't realize fully what we're seeing. At conversion, we invite him into our house. We unlock the front door. That's what we're doing. We unlock the front door to let Jesus in. Some who are sincere will give him the keys. Some. They want him in as a guest. But not all Christians give him the keys to the front door. Our houses in our, in our unconverted state are a wreck. Not only have we hidden away in the rooms all kinds of rubbish, we have our, not only our bad stuff is hidden away in the rooms of our heart, all our good stuff is there too. All the stuff that we enjoy, all the stuff and the will that is still ours is in, in, in those rooms. And Jesus, we let him in the front door and let him in the entrance. And some people are just satisfied with that. Jesus is resident, but Jesus is not president. They're satisfied with that. You know, a friend, some of you might have a very close friend. And the closer you get to that friend, the more you uh, let that friend know about your deepest heart issues, hurts, joys, fears. You let them into your house, into your room, show them your stuff, that person. You become mine und dein, you say in German. We uh, come very close and we, and we let them see our stuff and we, we, we share our secrets with them. That's on a personal level. The same, when you talk of a relationship with Jesus Christ, we get into the same type of intimacy. 
when it comes to giving Jesus Lordship, it is, where at first, it's just surface. And as time goes on, it's deeper and deeper. But it, 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 takes, it takes a special will for us to do it. For most of Christians, the rest, after he's in the front door, the rest of our rooms are still ours. My work, my friends, my sports, my thoughts, my money, my leisure, my marriage, my children. It's all still there, my life. And Jesus, the beauty of Jesus is he never forces himself on us. He's given us free will. He's given us the free will. And every one of us has a ring of keys that opens those doors in our hearts. Every one of us has them. And the thing about those rooms is it's not one key and those rooms are not key they like. Giving Jesus one key doesn't mean you've given them all. Giving, letting Jesus open one door of your heart doesn't mean he's in every door. No way. Not only does he stand at the door and knock, he invites us to yield to his lordship. We need to open all the doors. John 14, 23, Jesus said, My, uh, John 14, read this passage for you here. John 14, 23, he says, Jesus answered and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Make our dwelling place with you. So the, the idea of a house with many rooms holds true in this situation. And it's not just rooms, it's levels. There's three levels in your house that we basically hold the keys of. The first level is our personal life. The second level is our family life, and the third life, third level is our vocational life. Those are the three levels. And we can't cover all of them. We can't go into details because it's an a message. We just skim the surface, and it's designed that each of us dig in deeper in our personal studies. Each one of us, each one of those levels has many rooms and many closets. They're not keyed alike, no, no key fits, all doors here. And the first level is our personal level. Our thoughts, our money, our leisure, our possessions, our friends, our social network, our hobbies, our books, the things we like. The things that are personal to me. Our books, our movies, our music, etc. It's those areas. That's the first level. We go to church. Yes, we pray. We give our time here. We do a little, little bit there. But on these areas, Jesus does not have lordship. You have to give it to him. We have to give him lordship. Jesus, I want to, you want you to be Lord of my life, but when I go to a store, I am Lord of my money. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life, but when I sit down in front of a computer, 
I am Lord. While I watch is my business. Jesus, I want to worship you in the beauty of holiness and I'll pray my prayers every day and do all this, what I need to do. But when it comes to my possessions or my leisure time, it's me time. It's mine. And I will do with it when I feel like it and how I feel like it. And we don't even acknowledge God in those leisure times. Because all we're thinking of is the leisure. Have you ever talked before you did something, some leisure, some enjoyment? I'm now doing this as unto the Lord. I am doing this as unto the Lord now. Imagine a brother or sister, a young person, sitting in front of a computer. Just before you click that mouse, just before you open that movie. Lord, I'm doing this as unto you now. I guarantee you, you'll think twice. Before going home. We keep those rooms to ourselves. And if we think Jesus has access to them, we're mistaken. Our thought life, that's especially important. Because every sin we do originated first in the thoughts. You cannot go deliberately, uh, a person who commits adultery physically, to take this one as an illustration, is not suddenly, does not suddenly fall into adultery. That is as impossible as making the sun come up from the west. You cannot just do that. Before a person does that, it has been committed in the mind countless times. It has gone over and over and over until it consumes. James says, when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. There is a process. And so all wrong things we do, and I don't care how small they are or how big they are, they start in the thoughts. That's a room in our hearts, in our lives, that we generally do not yield to the Lord. And sometimes the reason the end, our thought lives end up in sin and our thoughts are unpure is because we're not yielding an easy part of our lives to him, one we can. And when it comes to a big thing and we want victory over him, over it, we find ourselves with no strength, we find ourselves with no courage, no determination. It's simply because there is a small area We've not yielded, and that has given access to a bigger area. And in that big area in our lives, we want to be holy and pure, but we find no strength to resist the devil and his advances. Because we've opened a little door to an area where Jesus said, close it, don't go there. Or let me in and help me clean it out for you. That's where all sin starts. Every dollar I spend... That's a tough one. Do we clothe ourselves as unto him? Do we clothe ourselves in the morning as though we're ready to meet the bridegroom today? Adorning ourselves on the outside? I mean, that doesn't really give a picture of our hearts, 
but it gives a reflection sometimes. Is my body a temple of God where he dwells? That's our personal life. And there's more. There's a lot of areas that we could talk about here. Family life, the second. Single or married. Doesn't matter. We all have family. We've got, and we're tied to them. And it's a good thing. We've got fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles. <coughs> And as such, and if we're married, we've got double of each. In-laws and whatever. And they all are a part of our lives. Sometimes we're either too possessive of them, family members, or we can't give them over to the Lord. Sometimes we don't care enough about them. Those are areas that we have to give Jesus lordship. We all need fellowship and care. And we have the responsibility of being stewards, not only of our personal bodies given us, but of our family members. They are our immediate people that we can affect, influence, and also those, often the biggest feuds are in family members. And it's simply because a Christian is not giving Jesus lordship over a family member. There's in, in Christendom, in, in evangelical Christendom, the family feuds are worse almost than they are in the non-Christian world. They fight over inheritance and over money, and when someone hurts them, a family member. It's true that the, no one can hurt you more than the people you love the most. That's a true saying. And we have to understand that when we have done what we can, especially for moms and dads here, when we have been honest before God and man, we have to also let God into that room and say, Lord, you take care of them. I will not be clingy. I will not try to prevent my children from failing. I will, not, I will let them go. I will, uh, you know how parents sometimes are. They're so hard to let go of a child. So hard to uh, release them. And that's another room in our hearts. It has to be dealt with, even our spouses. And the third level is the vocational level. Our careers, our ambitions, our work, our education, our co-workers, the people we are around and the things, our work, that's our third level of rooms. And co-workers, can we give them the keys of that room, you know, with a difficult co-worker? A job we don't like. Can we lay our personal dreams or ambitions at his feet? Sometimes we want something so bad, we'll try and get it no matter how. And Jesus wants us to let him be Lord of that. He knows. It might be a good thing we're after. 
It might be something great. But present circumstances don't allow you to have it. Can we be like David? Wait on God's timing. Give him that room. Wait for him to open the door. He's maybe given us a special gift. With David, he anointed him king. And yet, he waited. And waited. And waited. Twice he gave Saul into his hands. He waited. He realized, you're in control. I'm not I. And that is an understanding we need to come to. By giving Jesus lordship. So what are our hindrances when it comes to that? What hinders us from giving him lordship? Well, for my own life, and which many of us can understand, one of the biggest things that hinders us from giving Jesus lordship is unconfessed sin. Hidden sins, wrongs we haven't righted, Bad attitudes and habits we just don't want to give up yet. Nursing hurts from our past and afraid of letting them go because that person that might think he's got free now. So we don't give him that room. And we hold on to that thinking we're hurting that person when in reality we're just hurting ourselves. The Bible says, he that hides his sins shall not prosper. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful. It's the weird ones who are not faithful. He is the one who is willing, more than willing, to help us over these areas, to give us the strength to open those doors to our hearts, to those rooms, and not only open them to Him, to give Him the keys. That whenever a situation comes up in my life, whenever a hurt comes up, whenever a thought comes up, I will yield to Him and say, Lord, this must be for my good. I will yield. But at the same time, I will resist. And we have to understand how. Because that's the second hindrance to giving Jesus Lordship. And that's our own will. Our own will. In Luke. Uh, in Luke 9, I think. The second hindrance is our own will. Because coming to Jesus... Giving Jesus Lordship implies that he's going to ask things of me that I may not want to give him yet. He may ask me to do something that I don't want to do. He may ask me to go somewhere that I don't want to go. And he may ask me to give up something I don't want to give up. And our will clashes with his lordship. And then we come to prayer meetings and we pray, Lord, Lord. I know another group of people who said, Lord, Lord. 
Jesus said it in, in, in Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, many would say, Lord, Lord. But when, when, when his will clashed with our will, it was, no, no, not Lord, Lord. You want something here I can't give. And Jesus, actually, Jesus loves to spoil our will. Because he's got, his will is so much better than ours. His will for our lives is so much superior than ours. But we don't want to give him this lordship. We don't want to give him this area that I'm hurting him. Because I feel I was treated unfairly. I feel I was misunderstood there. I feel like I've still got this ambition to go after. And we will not yield. I want to marry this person. <laughs> Stuff like that. I want to go there. I want to buy that. But Jesus will toward our planes if we let him. And he may not thwart them just because he wants to mess up our plans. He may do it because he wants to mature you first and actually bring those plans and those, those dreams you had into fruition. And later on, when, you are in, in the, in your, when we are in a proper place, then we can, then he'll give them back to us. <clears throat> when we say Jesus is Lord, we are telling him, I want you to rule my life. I want you to rule over me. And I will yield and submit on your terms, not on mine. And here we can we can easily mirror ourselves how far along we are, how many rooms are still closed to him. Jesus might be resident, but is he already president? It says, there's a quote, he is either, in our lives, he is either Lord of all, or he is not Lord at all. That's something to think about. Nobody likes to deny themselves. I know my own heart doesn't. But that's the way of the cross. Jesus said, whoever will come after me, in Luke 9, 23 and 24, let him deny himself. This is means, give me the key. He's never going to wrestle, wrestle it out of our hands. He's going to, he wants us to give it over. And why do we have to wait 20 years to do that? We think we can enjoy ourselves with this or with that, and when what we find out is, by the time we're 40, we find out all those ambitions, all those things we drove after, and we followed after, only brought us more emptiness anyway. And we only wasted 10 more years of our lives. And the third hindrance is the will of others. Other people influence us. 
our culture, our friends, our peers, even our families have a strong influence on us for good or for bad. And it shapes our values, it shapes the way we talk, the way we think, the way we act. Especially our group of people, the Hutterites. <coughs> we have a way about us that you can go from BC to Minnesota and beyond. And there's some underlying things that are all the same because of the culture we live in. And people expect us to be a certain way. Sometimes that can hinder our growth. But if Christ is to be Lord of all, His will must come before cultural dictates. You see, if Jesus is Lord of our lives, we will not be influenced by culture, but we will influence culture. We will not be influenced by bad peer pressure. We will influence peer pressure. We will influence, we will have pressure in the other way. And that's what needs to happen for each of us. For, for us to get, reach beyond our little circle, reach beyond Jerusalem, the influence must go this way. And it must be purposeful and it must be directed. We can't sit and hope God is going to cleanse us. We can't sit and hope God is one day going to take the keys out of my hands and let me into the rooms. Jesus never interfered with the will of man, ever. He doesn't. He doesn't interfere with our will. He makes his will known to us, gives us the choice. Free will is still there. We have to make a conscious decision to give ourselves, give him the keys to our hearts. So these topics here are just a, a brief scheme over. And uh, we stand to learn a lot in every area. We stand to be corrected. One of the biggest revelations a Christian comes to in his journey is that there's still more to learn. We don't know it all yet. And a Christian who's at that place is opening himself and herself up to learning more of God's will. We must confess the rooms we haven't opened to him yet. Rooms we haven't opened in his presence, let alone giving him the keys. So I'll leave you with the words of uh, Ephesians. Paul to the Ephesians in uh, Ephesians. 316 Ephesians 3:16 There's a prayer for all of us that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your heart or your houses by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and depth and height 
and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. This morning, do you believe that Jesus is able to do exceeding abundantly more than we ask or think? Then give him the key of that heart area. Give him that key if you think so. If you don't, don't believe that word. Skim over it. Say, it's not true for me. Tell Jesus, be, be honest, confess to him. Be honest with him and say, Lord, I don't believe this word here. You'll have to help me believe this one. I'll open this part of my heart to you. Um, here's my fears. Here's my, here are my uh, troubles. Here's my doubts. Here's my hurts. And be honest. Just tell him the way it is. But I want this verse to be true for me. Unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. God bless you.